And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't he? He knows how to provide for our needs. He knows exactly what we need. Man, I'm so glad to see all these students uh, that are here. And um, I'm so glad that y'all have had a good retreat. And uh, everything has been good. And uh, so I think that you wanted to say something, right? Tsunami. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Not really sure what that was all about. I just know that Tsunami had something to do with uh, something that you guys did. I'm sure there was a spiritual application um, that, uh, that, that had to do with that. But I, um, I, I can tell you, uh, we're going to be talking about God's provision today. And when I was a teenager, and even when I was in college, um, the Lord provided a lot of my spiritual needs through my youth group. Um, and as we talk about God's provision today and how God's able to provide for us, as we just, as we just sung that song about God's provision, and uh, I see all these students sitting up here and the, the fun that I'm sure that you've had, it just brings, it brings me back to, you know, just, you know, 10 years ago when I was, in, when I was a student and, um, and how, what, and how the Lord just provided for me. And so I hope, in all seriousness, I hope that you guys just cherish this time that you have in student ministry, cherish these days in middle school and high school. There is something about a youth group. There's something about being together. There's something about, there's something about getting away together at a retreat that is so valuable to your spiritual life. And um, I, 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 hope, I hope you realize how blessed you are to have a great student pastor and uh, to have great leaders and to have a good youth group. And so I just felt like I needed to say that. Amen? Amen? Y'all, yeah. How many, of you, how many of you can remember just, you know, 10 years ago whenever you were a teenager, right? So uh, today I, I want to continue uh, this, our, our He is Able series. I really appreciate Pastor Lee and just how he gave a recap of a rise and tell, which was our previous three-year capital campaign to build our new building. And, uh, and then uh, gave a really good explanation of what He is Able is all about, which is our next three-year campaign uh, to significantly pay down the debt. I do believe God is able to do whatever He wants. I know that He's going to do some great things among us. And one thing that I know that God is able to do, that He has promised to do, He is able to provide for our needs. Because we are needy, fragile people. I mean, think about it. Think about it for a moment. Think about how fragile we are. Think about how easily we get cold. How many of you complained about that wind yesterday? Uh, I had to go outside for a soccer game just for an hour, and I was all bundled up, and I believe half of my right ear is gone uh, because of that wind. Think about how easily we get cold, how easily we get hot. Now, some of you only have a window of about two degrees between when you're too hot and too cold. Think about how easily we get hungry, how easily we get sick and injured, and that's just our bodies. Think about how fragile we are emotionally and in a lot of different ways. We, we really do have a lot of needs. Well, I have great news for you today. News that hopefully you already know. News that hopefully you can testify about. We have a good God that provides for us. He cares for us. And he actively does things to help us. Um, and so we're going to read this passage today in Matthew chapter 6 that talks about how God 
provides for even just our basic needs. Food, water, clothing. Uh, that, that was in the ancient world. For, the, for those of us in the modern world, our, our rent, you know, to pay for our utilities, cars, oh, someone help us, gasoline, food, all the things that we have to pay for. And the interesting thing is that most of the things that we worry about, most of the things that we need, they require money. They require for us to have some type of resource in order to buy and pay for these things. Um, how many of you are anxious, whether previously or maybe even right now, how, how many of you get anxious about money? It's just, it's just so easy to be anxious about money. And what I have found, it doesn't matter how much money I have or how much money I don't have, it's so easy to be anxious about it. In periods of my life, whenever I haven't had my basic needs met, I worried about it. And in periods of my life, whenever I have had my basic needs met and have had money in the bank, I'm worried about it. What is it about having too little money that you worry about, and then, uh, and this is not the case for me, but too much money, and then you worry about it? You worry about how to protect it. You worry about how to earn it. There's just something about it that causes us to worry. And so I want to read this passage in Matthew chapter 6 today. I want to ask you to open your Bibles there. And would you mind standing with me as we read? And I want to, um, I want to make a connection between, uh, between this passage that we're going to read and the previous passage. In Matthew chapter 6, if we were to go back to verse 19, Jesus talks about how you don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then he, he makes an interesting statement about, about money in verse 24. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then in the next verse, there's a word, a transition word. It says, therefore. In other words, I'm about to say something based upon what I just said. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is basically saying, I said something about money and not being able to serve both God and money, and now I have a little bit more to say about it. I have some application. And this is what Jesus says in one of the most comforting passages that, uh, and most beautiful passages I think we have in all of Scripture. He says, verse 25, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about how, how are you going to pay for things? How are you going to provide for yourself? He says, don't be anxious about your life, about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They don't have savings accounts. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, 
saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows. He knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God, today, we just want to cherish your word. Uh, We want to thank you, Lord, for what you have given us, this beautiful writing about your provision, this beautiful passage, this speech that Jesus gave in the Sermon on the Mount that talks about your providence and how you care for us. Thank you, Lord, for caring for us, for loving loving us, and for valuing us. And I pray that today we would respond in faith. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Why is life filled with worry, stress, and anxiety? Why does it even exist? Have you ever asked asked yourself that question? Why is it even there? Because typically, whenever we look around, if there's any sin that we can clearly and readily identify among the people of God, it would be the sin of stress and worry. And yes, I do believe that worry is sin, and I'll I'll get into that uh, in in a moment. And yet it's a sin that we all are tempted by. It's probably a sin that we all have engaged in at some other time. Some of you might say, I've never told a lie. Some of you might say that I have never cheated on my wife. Some of you might say, I've never, I've never stolen anything in my life. But it's probably, I probably make an accurate statement that none of you could say, I have never worried or been anxious about anything ever in my life. It's something that kind of plagues all of us, some of us more than others, but all of us at some point in our life. Why does it even exist? Do you know that it used to not exist? Do you know that worry and anxiety and stress is a direct result of the fall of man that we have recorded in Genesis? Genesis chapter 3, and we're not going uh, to flip there today. But think about this. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15... The Bible says, uh, the Lord God, I think I have that for the screen, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, uh, says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Do we have that verse for the screen? Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, he put, put, the, Lord, uh, in, put the, the Lord put the man in the garden to work it and to keep it. There was work. But there was not stress and anxiety. God did this, and God said that man was doing this before there was ever sin. There was labor, but there was not anxious toil. There was provision, but there was not this anxious stress of how am I going to get that provision. That didn't come until Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through verse 19. And it basically, after mankind sinned, and I think we have those for the screen as well, uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through verse 19, it talks about after man sinned, God cursed the ground. He said, cursed is the ground because of you. He says, in pain you shall eat of it. 
In other words, there's going to be this labor, this stress that's going to be involved because of your sin and because of what is done. There's going to be this natural resort, if, 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 a natural result. If you ever wonder why there's thorns and thistles, well, here you go. He says, by the sweat of your face, you're going to eat bread. I believe that God can do, currently, he can do a work of peace in our life where we can work and even work hard and even have needs, but there not be stress involved, that there not be this anxious toil. I don't believe that we have to wait until we're in heaven to not be stressed and worried anymore. I believe that we can maneuver this sinful life in this sin-filled world that we're in, and we can do so in a way where God can do a work of peace in our life. And so the Lord says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. In fact, he says it six times. The word anxious is used six times throughout this passage in Matthew chapter 6. The Bible never says don't work. The Bible never says don't work hard. In fact, quite the opposite. The Bible tells us to work. The Bible tells us to work hard and to exert ourselves. What the Bible says, what Jesus says, is don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about those things that you need. Now, if I, I looked up the, the, the Greek word anxious, and you can look up a lot of different definitions of what it means to worry, what it means to be anxious. But one in particular that I liked was, uh, was, was uh, uh, anxious or worry. It means to meditate. It means to think about, to have something on your mind for it to weigh upon you. You're thinking about it. You're meditating. Normally, we, we think about meditate in a good way, and, and it, that is good when we're talking about the things of God. But when we're meditating on problems, worrying about problems to the point to where it affects our mental and spiritual and emotional and relational health, Obviously, that's a bad thing when we let it weigh upon us and we just we put our minds on it so hard. It's just like a just like a dog on a bone. We just keep gnawing at it and it just keeps gnawing on us. What do you think about? What did you meditate on this week? What did you what did you worry about this week? What had your what had your mind weighed down as you lived life this past week? You know, when I look around, when I, when I think about my own life, when I look around at the lives of others and I look at our culture, it's almost as if we are anxiously pursuing a worry-free life. We're working real hard, trying as hard as we can, anxious and worried about things, so that we can get to a point where we don't have any more stress. But it's almost like it's this wheel that we're on, and we're on this treadmill that it's, it's, like, it's like it never stops. What if... God could do for you by faith something that you could not do by works. That kind of sounds familiar. That kind of almost sounds like the gospel. What if the Lord could do a work of peace and joy in your life that is a result of your faith in him and not a result of a faith in yourself and you're constantly worrisome and, and toilsome uh, in, a, in, a, in a toilsome manner? Well, people in the ancient world, they worried over a lot of basic things. The Bible says that they worried over what to eat, drink, and they worried over clothing. I dare say that many of you don't worry about that. If you're thirsty, I promise you, you can just find multiple places in this building where you can get water. If you're hungry, I mean, we have a care center just on the other side of our parking lot. We give away free food. All of you have 
seems like, sufficient clothing on. Uh, most of us don't worry about these things. There are billions of people in the world that do worry about these things. Um, but in verse 25, and I, th I think most of us don't worry about those things, but in verse 25, it talks about worrying about tomorrow. It says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow. We worry a lot about tomorrow. You may not worry about water. You may not worry about food. You may not worry about clothing. But tomorrow is a worry and concern that seems to be across the board that all of us are worried about. Will my kids turn out okay? Will I lose my job? Will I be able to pay my mortgage next month? Is my car going to make it to work? And how am I going to buy a new one? Will, uh, will I be able to have enough money to retire on? Will my health be okay? We worry about all of these things related to tomorrow. Now listen, I don't want to cause you anxiety today. I don't want to cause you stress today. But the truth is, bad things are going to happen tomorrow. They just are. Bad things happened yesterday. Bad things are happening right now all over the world, currently as we speak. Bad things are going to continue to happen in this world. As long as this sinful world is in existence, bad things are going to happen. You're getting older. One day you're going to die. You're going to get sick. You're going to get a cold. Someone that you know, that love, that's close to you, it's going to happen. You could lose your job. You could lose your income. Uh, the stock market could crash, and, and uh, maybe all of our credit debt would get wiped away. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, that'd be something uh, to, to, to worry for. Yeah, amen to that, right? I mean, there's all kinds of bad things that are going to happen. Financially, bad things are going to happen. Concerned with our health, and the bad thing relationally, bad things are going to happen. And here's the thing: God has not promised us tomorrow. God has not promised that He is going to spare us from bad things that are going to happen tomorrow. God has not promised that He is going to give us everything that we want that will make us comfortable tomorrow. God has not promised those things. But here's the thing about tomorrow. Being anxious about tomorrow, it won't save you. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus said, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Being anxious about anything that you're concerned about, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Being anxious about it, is not going to prepare you for it. It's not going to help you to deal with it. It's not going to save you from anything bad that is going to happen or potentially could happen tomorrow. But you know, we serve a God that knows the future. Amen? You believe God knows the future? I do. Do you believe that God knows your needs? Do you believe he knows exactly what it is that ails you? Do you know that we serve a God who has made preparations for your care? He's made preparations for it. We call this providence. I want you to, I want you to look up that word. I want you to look up that word from a Christian perspective. I want you, I want you, to, I want you to study the providence of God. Providence is the guiding, comforting, and protective care of God over his people. This does not mean that bad things won't happen to you. Do you believe that God guided 
comforted and protected Job in the Old Testament? I do. Bad things still happen to Job, but I still God, believe that God was providentially with him. Do you believe that God watched over providentially Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Matthew and Luke and John and Peter and all, all of those people in Scripture? Absolutely. We know that bad things happened to Jesus. We know that he was crucified, he was betrayed, his friends turned his back upon him, but God was with Jesus, guiding him, comforting him, and protecting him. He was right there with him, and he is there with you right now. The psalmist talks about this in Psalm chapter 23, when he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you hear that? He is talking about what God is going to give to him no matter what. Everywhere he goes in this life, he's saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We serve a God that is providentially watching over you. We see it all over Scripture. We see it in places like Romans 8.28. How many of you could quote Romans 8.28? How many of you have gone through a hard time and said, Man, I opened my Bible to Romans 8.28. For, uh, we know that for those who love God, all things, I, I memorize it in a different way. Um, it, so it's hard for me to read it in the ESV. It says, If we know that all... for." I can't, even, I can't even read it because I memorized it different. Let me try it again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things. The good things, the bad things, the things that hurt us. Whenever we got sick, whenever we lost our job, whenever God blessed us, whenever great things happened. All of those things, all of those things, God works together for what? For good. For who? For those who are called according to his purpose. And then I love verse 31. What should we say to these things? If God is for us, well, who can be against us? Everywhere in Scripture we see the providential hand of God. And we see it beautifully in our passage today in Matthew chapter 6. And here's the truth that we see in Matthew chapter 6, and that is God is responsible for your care. God is responsible for your care. It is not your job to provide for yourself. Think about that for a minute. It is not your job to provide for yourself. It is your job to fulfill your responsibilities according to Scripture. The Bible tells you to work. The Bible gives you commands in every area of your life. You are responsible not to be slothful. You are responsible to be wise. 
You are responsible to walk circumspect in this world, redeeming the time because the days are evil. God has told you what he wants you to do. And obviously, that involves a measure of work. That involves a measure of planning. But ultimately, you are not responsible for providing for yourself. God is responsible for your care. You know what worry is? Worry is faith in self rather than faith in a providential God. That's what worry is. Worry is saying, I, I've got to do everything. I've got to anxious. I've got to, I, I got to do that. That's, that's placing faith in yourself. I've got to work hard. I've got to worry about it. I've got to try real hard. That's putting faith in yourself. That's not resting in God, saying, Lord, I'm going to do what you command, and you are in charge of providing for me, and the nature of how you provide for me and the manner in which you conduct it is your business, not mine. I will follow you in peace and in joy, and it's your responsibility to provide for me. That's faith. We serve a God who sees us. We serve a God who knows us. He cherishes us. He provides for us. Why are there so many birds? Stupid question. Think about it. Why are there so many birds? Because God provides for them. Think about how weak a bird is. I mean, they don't even have arms. I mean, all they can do is fly and peck. That's all they can do. I mean, if you look at a bird and you think, how in the world does that thing live? And not just him, but all his friends. There's millions and billions and trillions and quadrillions of them that get all over my truck all the time. And you know what I'm talking about. They're everywhere. How do they survive? God provides for them. Why are flowers so beautiful? Why are they so beautiful? And this time of year, they're about to start popping up everywhere. Why, why are they so pretty? Providence. Listen. This passage right here, these verses that we just read, it's not about birds and flowers. It's about you. It's about you. This, this is about you. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Do you think it's really birds and flowers? That's the main point of this passage? No. He's talking about you. He's talking about, look, he says, are you not of more value than they? He is speaking about your value. When he's speaking about the birds and how well fed they are, even though they don't plan, when he's, when he's speaking about the lilies and how pretty and how beautiful they are, they are um, even though they don't force themselves to grow, he's saying your God values you. He cherishes you. He provides for you. Let me tell you a story of a time that the Lord showed me this so powerfully. I don't have this verse for the screen, um, but Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus had just talked to his disciples about how God cares for them, and, um, and he makes a statement. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And Jesus said, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. He says, not one sparrow will fall to, think about how many birds there are. Not one sparrow will fall to the ground apart from your father. And Jesus was using that to say, hey, I'm going to take care of you. It's what he's telling his disciples. I was sitting on my sofa a few years ago. It was about 7.30 on a Sunday morning. And I was, I was preparing to preach from that verse. 
And let me just, let me, you want to you know what I worry about? You want to know what I stress about? I, I stress about my sermons. I stress that they won't be good. I, I'm, I'm anxious that they're not helpful to you. And, um, and listen, I'm not fishing. For, don't come up after this sermon and tell me this is good, please. I'm not fishing for calm. I'm not looking for that. I'm just saying this is, one of the, this is one of the things that I worry about, one of the things that I stress about. And I stress about it all week. And I wake up on Sunday morning stressed about it. And I was, sitting, I, was, uh, I was sitting down, I was getting ready to preach on Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. And it was about 7.30 in the morning. I had my Bible open, and I had my notes open, and I'm praying. I'm like, I just don't know if it's going to be good. They're going to run me out. It's going to be bad. And they're going to say, he's terrible. We've got to get rid of him. I'm sitting there stressing over my sermon. I hear a thump at my window. And I look, and there's a dead bird. A bird had hit my window. As I was meditating on this verse that says, not one of them, not a bird will fall to the ground apart from your father. A bird hits my window and falls dead in my flower bed. And I get up and I walk over there and I'm like, thank you, Lord. You, you, you promised, I mean, do I believe it or not? I mean, and that's what the Lord said. The Lord just kind of spoke to me, and he says, do you trust me? I mean, do you believe I'm in control of this world? Do you believe I'm going to take care of you? And in that moment, I was like, you better believe it. I mean, the Lord just proved to me. See, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that that happened because God wanted to, listen, I believe he wanted to reassure me that I'm valuable to him and that he loves me and that he's with me. And that he cares about me. I believe that God loves us. All of us. He cherishes us. God knows. Listen, the Bible says, God knows your heavenly father knows that you need them all. He knows that, he knows that, he knows that you have to have things. He knows. Some of you say, oh man, I'm just hungry. I'm just cold. God would say, I know. I know. See, we say, man, I just, I've just been so, just been so lonely lately. God says, I know. I, I see that. Some of you have been sick, or you've just been hurting. God says, I know. Some of you say, I'm just, I'm just sad. I'm just broken. God says, I know. Your father knows. He sees all those things, and he knows what you need so much better than you do, and you worrying about it is not going to help. In fact, Jesus tells us exactly what to do in our time of need. I mean, think about it. He says, don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothing. Don't worry about water, the basic necessities of life. And if you find yourself in that position where you worry about those basic things, he tells us exactly what to do in that moment. In our moment of greatest need, he tells us exactly what to do in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He tells us to be anxious for him. That's what he says. He says, seek first. See, previously he said the Gentiles seek after, run after, lust after, go after all of those provisions for tomorrow that they think they need for themselves. He said, well, you don't have to do that. He said, look, you just seek my kingdom. 
Worry about my kingdom. Worry about being godly. Worry about my righteousness. And he makes a promise. He says, listen, if you'll do that, I'm going to give you the provision that you need. He says, all these things are going to be added to you. All those provisions that you need. If you will seek me first, don't be anxious about all this stuff in the world. You see, worry about worldly things leads to stress. But worry about spiritual things leads to peace and provision. What, what if you meditated on God more than you meditated on your problems? Imagine how godly you would be. What did you, what did you worry about this week? What did you think about this week? What just had you all in a twist this week? What was it? Think about if you meditated on God's kingdom and his righteousness that much. Can you imagine can you imagine how much comfort and peace and joy and spirituality would be in your life? Imagine that if you were anxious for God. I want to end on uh, this, verse from, uh, this verse from Psalm 127 that the Lord used in my life last week. Psalm 127, uh, verse 1 through 2 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And basically, what the psalmist is saying is that you can neither build up nor destroy in your own power. That's basically what he's saying. I mean, pretty much everything in this world, that's how it operates. It's either built up and increased, or it's either destroyed and it goes away. Sometimes we want to build up. Sometimes we want to destroy. Sometimes we want to make things happen. Sometimes we want to make things stop. And the psalmist says... You're laboring in vain to try to build up, and you're laboring in vain to try to deconstruct or to keep some kind of deconstruction from happening unless the Lord is in it. And he says, look at this. Tell me if this describes you. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. In other words, living your life like that will never build a house or keep a city from being destroyed or will really bring about any good in your life. It is in vain that you do this. How many times do we look around and catch ourselves doing this or see people in our culture doing this? They wake up early and they're just, they're just like, a, like a gerbil on a wheel. They're just on a treadmill. They're just working real hard. And it's not that they're working hard. They're just, they're just, they're just real uptight about it and stressed all the time. He says it's vain. That you eat the bread of anxious toil. Look at this. For he gives to his beloved sleep. I believe that God can do more for you while you're sleeping than you can in all your human worry and stress and anxiety. I believe God is able to do that. And when we rest in him, he provides. I want you to think about what you have been stressing about lately. I want you to ask God for his provision. And let me tell you what you really need. You don't really need the worldly provision. What we really need to make it through this life is the spiritual provision that God gives to us. And Jesus has promised in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, he says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. If you will ask God the Father 
and God the Son to send God the Spirit to give you the fruit of peace and joy and rest. I believe that he'll do it. Last week during our prayer time, I talked to you about steadfast prayer. Just prayer that's prayer that's, that just has angst to it. But Jesus also tells us to pray persistent prayer. Prayer where we ask and seek and knock. Or we keep on asking, we keep on seeking, and we keep on knocking. Would you ask the Lord for his Holy Spirit today? Let's bow our heads.